0: Hey, it's the First Pres Monday Check In. We'll have a chat but not spill tea. Hey, it's the First Pres Monday Check In. We got the Bible and Greg and me. Hello, everyone, and welcome to yet another edition. Of the Monday check-in, I'm Damon Jensen-Heitman, one of the pastors, First Presbyterian Church, Hastings, Nebraska, joined by...
1: Greg Allen Pickett, the other pastor of First Presbyterian Church, on this very warm August day.
0: It's getting warm out there.
1: And humid.
0: Mm, Yeah, it was.
1: Probably what it's like on the banks of the Nile River in Egypt.
0: Maybe, I don't know, I've never been.
1: Nor I. I've been close, but not not didn't quite make it to Egypt.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know. How, yeah, Is it humid there? Well, is it kind of desert? I mean, it's
1: a desert, but you'd think along the banks of the Nile that that river would kick up a little bit of humidity. I don't know. Me neither.
0: Well, I know what we're doing next week.
1: Going to Egypt. Yep. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't know how else we're gonna solve this. That's. I mean, laundry that we, we've come up against. We
1: could go onto the internet and look at the weather forecast along the banks of the Nile.
0: But, you know, you got to experience it. you got to talk to the locals. Yeah. You know, you got to find, is this what it's always like? Or, or no, is this an anomaly?
1: Yeah, I suppose if somebody came to Hastings, Nebraska this week. Right. And they didn't talk to locals, they'd think this place is unbearably Whew. hot and humid all summer. Yeah. And they'd be wrong.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, they wouldn't be completely wrong. <laughs> yeah. What's that? And and summer doesn't start now until, like, mid-October... Or fall doesn't start until, like, November now. So.
1: Right. Well, then, was it last year, two years ago, we had that um, tornado that touched down in December, which is not tornado season. Mm-hmm. And a member of the church, apparently, was driving, and the tornado actually... Moved his truck.
0: Hell yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I hadn't heard that story yet.
1: That's Ted Schroeder. okay. Driving on Marion Road and turned, (laughs) turned, turned, like picked up and turned his. (laughs) Hmm. And it's not a small truck.
0: No, it's not. No. No. Well, there you go.
1: (laughs) Has nothing to do with the scripture. Well, actually the conversation about the Egypt and Nile do, but. The rest of it has nothing to do with the scripture we're studying this morning.
0: <laughs> yeah, but we you know what is anything. You know? The Monday check in, I'll tell you what the Monday check in is. The Monday check in, for those who don't know, is we're going to do a little preview of the upcoming Sunday. We're going to take a look at the scripture. We're going to talk a little bit, kind of an, an opening conversation about it, talk a little bit about uh, maybe some of the themes that we see in it, maybe some of the questions that we have for it, maybe the, some of the questions we think the text might have for us. And then we switch gears, and we talk a little bit about the life of the church at First Press Hastings, and about what's going on. So, And we usually would start with a word of prayer, and I believe it is your turn.
1: All right, let's, uh, let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for this opportunity to get together and to study your holy word and the call that it places on our lives. As we read this interesting story this morning, God, may it speak to us in new ways. May it offer us new insights into who you are, uh, into your love for us, and who you call us to be as your people. Bless our reading of this word, bless our conversation about this word, and God be with us in the week to come as we prepare to proclaim the hope and the love that we find present in this scripture. It's in Jesus' loving name we pray. Amen.
0: Amen. So for this coming week, we have a bit of scripture from the Old Testament, specifically from Exodus. And for next week, uh, we have a bit of scripture uh, from the Older Testament, specifically from the book of Exodus.
1: So what you're telling them is that we're going to use the same scripture two weeks in a row.
0: That is, I did not say that explicitly, but that was what I was... Sometimes the
1: explicit implicit needs to be explicit.
0: Yep, according to Barbara Ann Keeley.
1: Yeah, so what Damon and I have decided to do is um, I'm preaching this Sunday and he's preaching next Sunday and we thought, wouldn't it be interesting for the church to hear us both preach on the same text and the different approach that we might take to it or the different uh, characters within the text that we choose to focus on or the different messages or themes that we pull from it. So uh, we're trying this as a little experiment uh, and so mm-hmm. that's what's going to happen I did ask Damon if we have enough material to record a Monday check-in next week, and he assures me we will. So,
0: Well, if we think that we're going to get two sermons out of it.
1: Shouldn't we be able to get two Monday <laughs> check-ins out think.
0: of it? Fair <laughs> question. Right? Uh,
1: there's another neat tie-in with this scripture, though, too. Uh, in the season of Advent, uh, we are going to have an original cantata. our choir will be singing as part of the season of Advent, and that cantata tells the story of of God's people uh, through the voices of women in the Bible. And so it takes different key stories of different women in the Bible, and uh, there are songs either sung from the point of view of that woman or sung about that woman. Uh, And this story we're going to read this morning happens to be one of those stories so we want to get it in your mind so that when we eventually get to Advent, you're like, oh, right, I remember that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, we'll be doing that a few times throughout the fall. There's multiple stories that we'll be picking up and sharing during the fall that tie into that Advent cantata that happens to have been written by Hannah Jensen-Heitman.
0: Correct. With a
1: little bit of help from Damon Jensen-Heitman. Oh, um,
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> I pointed out some stories that uh, up to this point. Okay. That's, uh, and then once it comes time to like putting in liturgy and that sort of stuff, then I'll, I'll do that. Um, but yeah, no, I pointed out some stories and had some conversations about what those stories might mean. All right. Um, but yeah,
1: you were a conversation partner. Yes. In the early stages mm-hmm. of the cantata. Is yes. that better said? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, Hannah gets all the credit. Damon was a conversation partner in the early stages of the cantata.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That seems... That's... A, okay. That's okay. That's... Okay. <laughs> good. Uh, so, what is this story? This story is from Exodus. Uh, some folks have maybe already guessed what it is, but um, it reads something like this. right? Now, a new king arose over Egypt who did not know Joseph. Which is like, what's like one of my favorite transitional statements, sentences in the Bible? Well, because, in theory. It's it's like the perfect amount of ominous. Right,
1: because the Joseph novella, which appears towards the end of the book of Genesis, um, leaves us with the impression that the The pharaoh in Egypt, the reign in Egypt, is a, is a just one, is a thoughtful one. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And so we leave that story thinking, oh, there's not, there's some good things happening in Egypt. The pharaoh's not such a bad guy. Joseph, he's put Joseph in charge. Joseph is is thoughtful and just and fair. So we're okay with what's happening. In Egypt. And so then the opening line here of this passage tells us a new era is upon us. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. It was a dark and stormy night.
1: It was indeed. And
0: a new king arose over Egypt.
1: Who did not know Joseph.
0: Joseph, I don't know that guy. I don't care about that guy. Whatever.
1: Okay. So now a new king arose over Egypt who did not know Joseph.
0: He said to his people... Look, the Israelite people are more numerous and more powerful than we. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, or they will increase. And, in the event of war, join our enemies and fight against us and escape from the land. Therefore they set taskmasters over them to oppress them with forced labor. They built supply cities, Pittim and Ramses, for Pharaoh. But the more they were oppressed the more they multiplied and spread, so that the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites. The Egyptians became ruthless in imposing tasks on the Israelites and made their lives bitter with hard service in mortar and brick and in every kind of field labor. They were ruthless in all the tasks that they imposed upon them. The king of Egypt said to Hebrew midwives, one of whom was named Shiphrah, and the other Puah. When you act as midwives to the Hebrew women and see them on the stool, if it is a boy, kill him, but if it is a girl, she shall live. But the midwives feared God, and they did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but they let the boys live. So the king of Egypt summoned the midwives and said to them, Why have you done this and allowed the boys to live? The midwives said to Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and give birth before the midwife comes to them. So God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and became very strong. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families. Then Pharaoh commanded all his people, Every boy that is born to the Hebrews, you shall throw into the Nile, but you shall let every girl live. Now a man from the house of Levi went and married a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a fine baby, she hid him three months. When she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and plastered it with bitumen and pitch. She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds on the bank of the river. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. The daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river while her attendants walked beside the river. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her maid to bring it. When she opened it, she saw the child. He was crying and she took pity on him. This must be one of the Hebrew's children, she said. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and get you a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? Pharaoh's daughter said to her, yes. So the girl went and called the child's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child and nurse it for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed it. When the child grew up, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and she took him as her son. She named him Moses, because, she said, I drew him out of the water. That's that story. Greg, what do you got?
1: There's a lot to unpack in there. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of strong and clever women in this story.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's why uh, this is two songs in the cantata. Oh, we're knocking two songs out with one. Mm -hmm.
1: Shipra and Pua and then is the other song about Pharaoh's daughter?
0: It's Pharaoh's daughter um, and Moses' mother. Is the sister
1: involved in the song? I don't think so. Because to me, the sister plays a pretty key role in mm-hmm. this story.
0: Yeah. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm.
1: I, uh, I like the image of the sister sort of like mom setting the basket in the Nile mm-hmm. and the sister's like hiding off in the reeds, waiting to see what happens. We read. And then uh, she sees the Pharaoh's daughter rescue the child. And runs up to her. Hey, you want me to get someone to take care of that baby for you? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. And Mm -hmm. Pharaoh's daughter's like, sure. So she goes and gets someone who's nursing. Right. Mm -hmm. Goes and gets her mom, and uh, child's mother. Mm -hmm. And I, I I like her role. She's she's
0: clever. Yeah, and there is a there's a lot of risk taking. Yes going on in the passage. It's something that most of the characters, except for Pharaoh, (laughs) have in common. Right? Uh, Shifra and Pua, they are taking an obvious risk by lying to Pharaoh. Um, uh, Moses's... not Moses's... Pharaoh's daughter is taking a risk by... She's clearly disobeying the commandment of Pharaoh, right? Um, she declares out loud, she, this has got to be a Hebrew child that has been hid right here. Right. Yeah. Um, so she knows what's going on. And she says, yeah, let's go ahead and raise this child. Um, Moses' sister taking a risk by sort of leaning into this um this narrative that that's going on. Um, Moses's mother, I think also is continuing, like she's taking multiple risks. Yeah. Um, uh, putting the kid in the basket in the first place. Um, and then agreeing. okay. Okay. Now someone in Pharaoh's house knows that I am nursing a male child.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: it's yeah the the amount of risk is um kind of astonishing it's it's sort of one of those stories that um i think we do this a lot particularly with older testament stories mm-hmm. we read them like children's stories
1: right because that's how we first learn them mm-hmm. but then we never grow out of that right yeah.
0: And, like, the backdrop to this is, is more akin to Nazi Germany. Right. It's awful. Right.
1: Right. You've they, got an enslaved people that they're oppressing worse and worse and worse because they fear that their numbers are going to overwhelm them at some point. Mm-hmm. And then it finally leads to infanticide.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Although... Honestly, Pharaoh is not the smartest in terms of how to to try to control a population. Yeah, um, I just I, going after the
0: male children. Um, just from the way the population, just from the way the biology works. Correct. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um,
1: and so, yeah. And 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 what you have is women resisting this, or girls.
0: Yes, and Pharaoh is a character who he is operating out of fear. Correct. Right. Uh, he is he is motivated clearly in the story by fear. Uh, they, we're getting a lot of Israelites kicking around here, mm-hmm. uh, and in the event of a war, then they're going to rise up against us. They're going to join our enemies. Rise up against us uh, and, and we can't we can't have that
1: it it reminds me a little bit of a similar situation on the African continent in the 20th century which was apartheid South Africa mm-hmm. where um, a minority the 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 descendants of the Dutch colonizers controlled society and there was a majority of uh, African people, yeah um as well as labor that had been imported from India hmm. mm-hmm. uh in South Africa, and they were all treated differently. they were not given full citizenship rights and and they they were forever afraid of an uprising,
0: yeah
1: um, and so all their policies reflected that fear, and their policies were dehumanizing mm-hmm. in apartheid South Africa mm-hmm. and we finally came to recognize that the world finally came to recognize that in the 1970s and 80s but it, it's amazing that it took that long you know and you got a similar thing happening here yeah. right
0: yeah and that was also a, a big fear amongst slaveholders in this country
1: naturally yeah. right mm-hmm. yeah
0: um, yeah and, and so it's it, and then the the women in the story are they're not I don't know how to describe exactly what is motivating them um if it's something if it's hope or if it's something kind of like hope if it is uh, uh if it's survival um or love if it's love um I suppose it could be all of those things. Uh, we're never Pharaoh's daughter, we're told, is motivated by pity mm-hmm. um, when she finds the child. Um, I guess we're told that the Shifra and Pua, they do it because they fear God? Is that...
1: Yeah, the midwives Everest? feared God. They did not do as the king of Egypt had commanded them, but they let yeah. the boys live.
0: But... They, they and I guess I interpret that as they are uh, acting according to a different authority.
1: Correct. Yeah, and even feared God, and and I I would need to do a word study on that and look at which Hebrew word is used there because often the Hebrew word when you when you read in the Old Testament to fear the Lord, mm-hmm. um, like there's a there's a psalm or a proverb that says the the beginning. The beginning of knowledge is fear of the Lord, or fear of the yeah. Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And when you study that, it's it's not fear in terms of fear and trembling, but more um,
0: a respect. Mm-hmm. Isn't it sometimes more akin to awe? Awe, yeah. Um, yeah, And I think
1: it gets mistranslated into English, quite frankly. And so I'll, I might funny. do a little bit of a word study on, on that, because... Um, yeah, the, the midwives feared God, so they did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them. So their respect for God is higher than their respect for Pharaoh. Yeah. Right? hmm
0: mm-hmm.
1: They stand in awe of God and God's capacity and God's work and God's creation more than they stand in awe of Pharaoh's power.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, they recognizing that there's a higher authority. Right. Than Pharaoh. Um, which puts them at risk. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'd argue that that
1: I mean, even that authority is grounded in love, right? God's love for the people, and they recognize that love, I think, and that that love is what is motivating them, their love for the Israelites, their love for these women who've given birth by not killing their boy, <laughs> boy children, right, right. Uh, which ultimately is a love or a respect for God. And yeah, anyways. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. I I feel as though I'm talking too much about Pharaoh. (laughs) Um, But Pharaoh here is using a technique that most oppressors end up using at some point which is trying to get the population that you are oppressing to hold each other in oppression.
1: Right. Right. A, right. So he's directing Hebrews to oppress
0: one another. Right.
1: And in this mm-hmm. case, midwives do this. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. And they're, of course, choosing not to. Right. But, yeah. But it seems as though Pharaoh's daughter is the person that's sticking out to you for some reason. Is
1: that me. true? Yeah. Um, um, I, she makes an interesting... I mean, yeah, she clearly knows about her father's commandment to kill all boy children of the Hebrews. I'm sorry.
0: Moses's sister. That's who you first... That's who you were first drawn to. That That is, yeah. yes. But that daughter.
1: That daughter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not Pharaoh's daughter. Yeah. Yeah, no. Moses, I, I just... Just the image of her peeking through the reeds and seeing what's happening and then running up to Pharaoh's daughter and... I can help you with this, knowing that she's being very clever, right? And, uh, and then she runs and gets her mom and says, here you go. Mm-hmm. And just the, the helpfulness. And I'm, I'm curious if Moses' sister makes any other appearances in the Old Testament. I'm not aware of any other appearances of Moses' sister. But in this particular case, there's, there's, there's bravery, there's cleverness, there's the, the she's she's a compelling character. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember again, you talked about the sort of the the Sunday school version of this story. Yeah. I don't remember Moses' sister um having a big role in that Sunday school version of the story. But uh, no. but in my mind when I read this, I was just I was struck by by her cleverness and her bravery.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's one of the things that I oftentimes enjoy about coming back to these sorts of narratives and stories yeah is that um, just the way that I read it now is completely different than the way that I would have read it when I was 25 15 mm-hmm. or five right right um, and that's all shaped by various life experience and also by the fact that I am like reading it for myself.
1: <laughs> right.
0: And not having it presented to me like the little details that pop up that you, oh oh yeah that's how that worked. Okay. Well that's interesting. Right. <laughs> yeah. Mhm. Yeah, there's a lot of um defiant characters. Mhm. In some way. Um but it's interesting the, the defiance is based on perspective. Right. Right, like Shifra and Pua are, there's a lot of people clearly defying Pharaoh, right? Um, But they are not in defiance of God. Right. Uh, right? Pharaoh, from that perspective, Pharaoh is the one who is acting in in defiance of something.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you think about, we talked a little about leadership, and, and you know, Machiavelli would talk and say it's better to be feared than loved. Hmm. But in this case, you've got Pharaoh who is feared, and God who is loved. And these folks are choosing that they would prefer love over fear. Yeah. So they're willing to stand up to the fearsome rule of Pharaoh in order to, be, in order to follow God, uh, who is a God of love. Um, and so maybe Machiavelli didn't have it right.
0: <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, something, yeah, I agree. And something else that just kind of struck me is just the, um, the way that ordinary things always get woven into these stories and into these narratives, mm-hmm. right? Um, I was thinking about the basket uh, and the description that she, when she could no longer hide him, like he was just too big to hide in the house during the day or, you know, while there were people wandering around. She made a basket. Uh, She got a papyrus basket for him and plastered it with bitumen and pitch and placed the child in it and placed it among the reeds on the bank of the river. So she got, found a basket someplace. we got about 50 baskets floating around in this church. Right? Mm-hmm. This, this, this is just normal, everyday thing that they would use to put grain in or, right. you know, or whatever the case. Right? And either improvised or had learned a way to seal these baskets. Right. <laughs> uh seals it somehow and that's it that's that's it that's all it takes it's not a special basket with some sort of divine blessing placed upon it it's you know there's no message from God here I'm going to give you the perfect basket to, to hide your baby boy yeah um It's just these are just things that she knows how to do. For whatever reason, and here she is putting them to use, um, to to aid in love or whatever the case. It's just interesting to me. You've made the basket a character in this story. (laughs) Well, I don't know, but
1: yeah, it is. You know, and, and I was I was thinking about that, like so Pharaoh's. Command is every boy that is born of the Hebrews you shall throw into the Nile, um. And I wonder, did she make the basket in such a way that it would look like she had put him in the Nile, and put he just he just happened to yeah to float, uh, happened to land on a pile of papyrus and reeds that yeah that's didn't true. actually kill him, and so then Pharaoh's daughter finds him and takes pity on him. Um, did she do it that way? Was it
0: yeah. Uh, yeah. No, that's true. Like, yeah, you. Um, in theory, this might provide a person some sort of plausible deniability, right? right. Like, I put him in the Nile. It's not my fault the crocodiles haven't found him yet.
1: Right. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. It's not my fault he hasn't run into a hippo. Right. Yeah. Uh,
1: you went straight for the really vicious animals there. That was an interesting well, choice. Well, I mean,
0: whatever. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, no, that's, yeah, that's, I hadn't made that connection before.
1: It's a, it's, it's a possibility. Yeah. I don't I know. I put
0: him in the Nile.
1: I did what I was supposed to do. Didn't say
0: I was supposed to put him in the middle
1: of or, the river. Right.
0: <laughs> I, I put him there.
1: Put him in the reeds. Mm-hmm. He happened to not sink. Yeah. And Pharaoh's daughter happened to take pity on him.
0: So, Interesting.
1: All part of God's plan, though.
0: Yeah. All
1: right. Well, you think it'll preach? Uh, there's a lot that'll preach in here, I think.
0: Yeah, well, but, uh, you can't preach on all of it. I can't? No.
1: I got to leave some for you? <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: I feel like that's not going to be a problem. I feel like you and I generally uh, do have a different... Approach. certainly find enough material here for us to both preach a sermon on, but... Yeah.
0: Yeah. For sure. And then once we get good at this, I think we'll be able to like narrow, getting more and more narrow passages. Yeah? Yeah.
1: Yeah, we were originally going to do this on the Romans passage that I preached on yesterday just because it had so much in it, mm-hmm. and I thought I could have taken a portion and Damon could have taken a portion, but then the way our schedules worked out, we said, let's let's do a different story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. so. All right. All right, so we switch gears. Let's.
0: All right,
1: we got uh, our end of summer worship schedule, which means we have just one worship service at ten thirty a.m. and we're doing that through uh, Sunday, September tenth. So no early service, um, and so come to worship with us at ten thirty between now and September tenth. Uh, and then after that, we'll go back to our two-service schedule where we have a contemplative service at 8.30 in the chapel, followed by a worship service at 10.30. So that's what's going on with worship. Uh, Christian Ed has not fully started again this year, but uh, this last, yesterday, we had uh, our orientation for our Krishna teachers. And this Sunday, the 27th, we have our orientation for Christian Ed for children and their families. So we hope that a lot of kids and their families will be here at 9 a.m. or I think it's 9.15, but come at 9 because there will be donuts, I believe. Um, there will be now. There will be now <laughs> since it has been spoken into existence. <laughs> um, and the, the kids can meet their Sunday school teachers and get a sense of what classroom they're going to be in this year and kind of what's going on with Sunday school. And then we'll take a pause uh, the following weekend because that's Labor Day weekend, and then Sunday school fires back up on September 10th. So that's that's that with Christian Ed. Same thing happens with our adult ed. That fires up on September 10th because September 10th is our big blowout 150th anniversary worship and celebration. Uh, Our adult ed forum will start that day, and we will have a panel of previous and former pastors of First Presbyterian Church sharing some of their thoughts and memories and experiences uh that will be our adult head forum that will be held in the fellowship hall and then then we'll have our worship service at ten thirty. 30. it's going to be an awesome service uh awe some awe inspiring
0: yeah, i'm afraid of it
1: uh don't need to fear <laughs> fear not uh, and so we'll have those five former pastors, uh, we'll have the pastor from First United Methodist and the president of Hastings College, all strategic ministry partners of First Presbyterian Church will be part of that service, as well as a proclamation from the city of Hastings declaring uh, a celebration of the 150th anniversary of the church. Uh, and then immediately following worship, we'll invite everyone to get up and move to the Peace Center, where we will have a 150th anniversary celebration luncheon in the gym of the Peace Center.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: So, some things to know about that. The luncheon is free. It's open to anyone who would like to come uh, and celebrate the 150th anniversary of the church. However, we do need a headcount for that. And so tickets for that can be picked up in the memorial room before and after worship uh, the next two Sundays. Or they can you can call the church office and we can make sure that we got your registration for that meal, just so we make sure we order the right amount of food. We don't want anything to go to waste. And so uh, that is
0: uh, September 10th. It's mm-hmm. going to be a big day. Yeah, it'll be good. Uh, Chancel Choir, Chancel Bells uh, are about to start up. I know the choir is starting up on August 30th. I assume the bells are starting up then as well. Correct.
1: They're going to rehearse twice before our 150th anniversary celebration because the bells, the choir, and the Cathedral Brass, it's all going to be there.
0: Mm-hmm. So, and Sunday school will start on that September 10th as well which I think you mentioned but I don't quite remember yep Wednesday night live which is our midweek um, in faith enrichment time for for our students pre-k through high school is set to start on the 6th of September so the Wednesday right after labor day we're set to start that up so
1: Yeah, anything else? Well, there's lots else, but anything else we need to cover today? Nah. All right. Hmm. You want to close us in prayer?
0: Yeah, let's do it. Loving and gracious God, um, we thank you for these stories, these ancient words that we have. Uh, for the ways that they can lead us to your truth, to your wisdom, uh, to your guidance, to your nurture, and to your challenge for our lives. Uh, We thank you for those that we know who have been willing to take risks on your behalf. We thank you for those who have pulled us up out of the reeds in one way, shape, or form. May we, O God, be able to do likewise for others. In your gracious and holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, then, with all those things said and done, until next time, toodaloo.